welcome back to the show, Diana. Excited to have you. I'm excited to be back. So, you know, during the pandemic and even in this kind of like post-pandemic, post-mortem, whatever you want to call it, that we're in right now, nursing and healthcare has been a huge focus uh, throughout that, which is probably a good thing because your job was essential and super important during that time. How did the pandemic change your job and daily life? And what has it really kind of taught you about uh, yourself, medical field, health of Americans? What have you learned over the course of the past 15, 18 months? Yeah. Well, like I said before, I literally started a few months. I started my career a few months before the pandemic really hit. Um, so the biggest thing, um, for me was being able to adapt and just learn fast. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I learned from my coworkers. I leaned on my coworkers for support. I didn't, I, I learned to not have a problem with asking for help, which definitely no nurse should have that problem. Um, and just kind of, you know, reassuring each other and reassuring our families and the patients with all their heightened anxiety that they had from this, um, kind of being transparent with them. I mean, sometimes they were asking, you know, questions that I obviously did not know. None of us knew, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you just had to be transparent with them and kind of say, you know, we're doing the best we can to with the information that we have now and just we're learning new things every day. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like how you said too, it's not just about you, it's about other people, right? It's about kind of calming their anxiety and calming their stress levels. Mm -hmm. And I like how you kind of stay humble throughout this, like these podcasts are mostly about you. And yet you keep pointing out that it's the bigger picture, it's other people. And it's what you can do to impact other people. There was a a president in the 60s, I think it was JFK that said, ask not what you can do for your, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And it's like that kind of mindset seems to have disappeared lately. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's really cool that you point that out. Um, what have you noticed about like the health of the American people during this time? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Uh, where are we kind of trending lately? With COVID, especially it has gotten, I think it has gotten better in my eyes. I mean, at least what I'm seeing, at least, you know, starting my fitness account and starting my whole like online journey and everything. I think it's gotten better. So many of us with all the gyms closed and everything, we were all doing these home workouts. We were all like, you know, walking more, getting outside more while it was like warm out, you know, last summer. Um, but in regards to like outside of fitness, with your, our mindsets and everything. I mm. think with the pandemic, obviously they're even saying like everybody's, you know, mental health has gotten worse. And I totally agree with that. You're not seeing, you know, your family, you're not seeing your friends, you're kind of cooped up inside. Um, and I think that was a big part of what kind of ruined our, um, healthcare, yep. um, or the health of Americans, uh, during the pandemic. So, I mean, there was just multiple things I was telling people to do and reminding myself to do to just check in on each other and make sure, you know, you're still doing what you're doing to improve your mental health. Right, for sure. It all starts from within. And, mm -hmm. you know, we talk about things like exercise and different like nutritional things or fitness that are so important. But if you don't have the mental mindset to kind of go through those things and suffer through some of that workout pain or the pain of 
eating, you know, chicken, rice, and broccoli again, instead of, you know, another double chocolate brownie and ice cream. Not to say that's a bad thing to do on occasion, but, you know, not something you should do every day. Um, You know, if you don't have that mental fortitude to be able to go through that, everything else kind of crumbles. And I like how you point out that, you know, anxiety and fear and all these other things were so high and so prevalent. And I think that explains a lot of the physical changes we saw. I think the average American gained like 18 pounds or 20 pounds over the Mm -hmm. course of 2020. So, you know, when mental health suffers, everything else kind of tumbles down with it, right? Mental health is kind of that, that foundation, that base that everything else kind of sits upon. Exactly. So uh, with that too, kind of going into those numbers a bit, I mean, the health of America is trending in a poor direction. Um, we're currently at like a 75% population overweight and obese. We're going to break 95% within the next 20, 30 years, according to John Hopkins models and Harvard University Medical School's models. And only like 14, 15% of Americans are actually in like what we consider good metabolic health. And, you know, saying stuff like that and getting lost in these numbers, man, it's so easy to get down and depressed and your own mental health takes a toll from it, right? You see that and you're like, well, you know, am I in the good number? Am I in the bad number? And this is where I think you're someone who really offers a unique perspective because you are in the medical field. You have a intense medical knowledge background with nursing school, but you're also in the fitness side of things and you see the world through the eyes of a young female, uh, which offers different perspectives than say a 23 year old white male from a small town. Uh, So I'm really interested to hear what you have to add about kind of why fitness is, you know, so important for healthy living, how mental health plays into fitness and, you know, what else outside of like your gym exercise plays into your overall picture of health. Yeah. Well, outside of the gym, definitely, like I said, the mental health portion is what you should be kind of focusing on kind of first and foremost. I mean, you can be working out every day, going for runs, whatever, um, and have your body so in shape, but have your mind so like messed up and just so, you know, like down and depressed, um, and just not taking care of yourself in that regard. Um, in the regard of like fitness and everything, um, like I said before, just doing one good thing, one new thing a day, um, drinking more water that day, uh, substituting a burger for a wrap or, you know, something like that. Um, I'm not asking people and I'm not telling people to jump right into doing all these new things. It's just one small thing a day that'll snowball into more. For sure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of building off of what we talked about on Monday too, which yeah. if you haven't gone back and listened to that episode yet, highly recommend you go back, give it a listen, share it with your friends. Um, but yeah, it really is one small thing. Now, I know a lot of people kind of struggle with where to start. It's easy to get lost in these little things like, hey, should I go vegetarian, vegan and trend that way? Or, you know, this guy's carnivore, should I start eating less vegetables? Or this guy's keto, paleo, uh, you know, this guy does powerlifting, that girl does strongman, uh, that mm-hmm. girl does CrossFit, like what, where do I go? So where do you recommend people start when 
it's so easy to get lost in this sea of noise everywhere. Everybody's bodies are different. You can be doing, you could have the same trainer. You can have the same workout routine. You could have the same macros or everything the same as your neighbor and look completely different. Um, and I think that's what people need to grasp first and foremost. Um, and kind of step back and stop comparing. I mean, just be grateful for the body that you have mm -hmm. and improve the body that you have because we all have different bodies. Um, regardless of if you're doing, you know, CrossFit or just plain strength training, you're building muscle and you're going to burn more calories. Like that's kind of, if that's your end goal to burn more calories, that's your goal. You know, you're mm -hmm. going to build muscle regardless. Um, same thing. Like if you're walking or you're going for runs, like you're going to get your steps in regardless. Um, just kind of stop with all the comparison, you know, yeah, for sure. And I like how you point that out. Like CrossFit is not strong, man. Strong man is not powerlifting. Powerlifting mm -hmm. is not Olympic weightlifting. Olympic weightlifting is not bodybuilding, but oddly enough, all five, six of those different fitness things I just mentioned, boil down to this thing that I just call general physical prep. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a better term for, uh, for it. I don't think I've seen it or heard of it anywhere else. So I'm not going to say I coined the term, but uh, general physical prep is just doing basic exercises really well, doing basic movement patterns. Mm -hmm. uh, so being able to squat, being able to deadlift, being like that hinging kind of movement, being able to do a lunge, being able to reach up overhead and whether you're pushing something up or pulling something down. So basically overhead barbell press, overhead dumbbell press, or pull up, pull down kind of movement. These are the kinds of things that we do every single day. That's what our body was meant to do. We sit mm -hmm. down and stand up. We bend at our hips. We lunge forward. We twist and rotate. We reach up and we pull stuff down. If you can't do the basic things really well, then nothing else is really going to matter one and two you know if you find that you love crossfit or you love bodybuilding or whatever then being able to do those things is kind of important you know i haven't really seen a bodybuilder who's been successful without doing pull-ups or pull-downs or any kind of back work i haven't seen a crossfitter who's been successful by not doing a barbell thruster when it's in the workout so say that too, that it's kind of not to interrupt you, but it's, no, um, please do, please do. it's, uh, it's all about what you love too. I mean, like if you love yoga over, over Pilates or whatever, you know, like do that, do what you love, do what kind of exercise you love. Yep. But I also do encourage you to like, try something new. You don't know if you're going to love it. I hated yoga the first time I tried it and now I love it. So, you know, it's all about trying something new if you don't really like it. Um, give it a few times and then do something that you love. Yeah, it's going to be exactly. good for you, you know? And the other piece too, is we put people into boxes, right? We say, oh, you're a CrossFitter and that's how they identify. Oh, you're a power lifter. That's how they identify. Whatever happened to being like a jack of all trades? And I know people are going to say like, oh, jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, I think that saying is kind of overrated because it is okay to do a lot of different things pretty well. You know, no one is saying you have to go to the gym and instantly be world-class at everything you do. Like I'm, I've been in the gym for what, eight, 10 years now, and I'm still not even close to that level. So it, it's better to be good at a lot of things, like be able to move freely, right? That's kind of the yoga principle, be able to 
lift heavy, that powerlifting strongman kind of principle, but also be able to put it together into something functional like CrossFit. And if you want that aesthetic, uh, aesthetic look kind of appeal, then maybe a little bit of bodybuilding. You can kind of blend everything together into what you want out of your training. And I think that we become so polarized into putting people into boxes saying, you are this, you are that. That's how you identify. You are CrossFit. You are powerlifter. And mm-hmm. instead, we just kind of need to break down those walls and just say, yeah, I do fitness, like plain and simple. Exactly. And with that too, you've said mental health a lot. Bettering your fitness also betters your mental health. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. The endorphins I feel after, <laughs> after working out <laughs> definitely sure. helps your mental health. <laughs> There's actually some interesting research now, too, about uh, cannabinoid receptors. So kind of the same stuff that CBD mm-hmm. and marijuana goes after. And there's some early work that shows that, hey, exercise might actually be something that benefits uh, those receptors and stimulates those receptors similar to what CBD might do. So mm-hmm. it's still early on in the process, but it's interesting to note that we still don't really understand what all exercise does for us, but we know it's good. (laughs) Yeah. All I know is I, when I'm on my stretch of like working out, getting up early, drinking water, everything, I feel much better than the days that I go out, which is, it's fine to go out. You know me, I preach that all over my Instagram, (laughs) um, that it's fine to go out and have fun, but I feel better like on the days that I'm consistent and everything than the days that I, you know, I'm laying in bed and I'm like, hungover from you know before um and just like eating crappier food or whatever you know and my mental health is like better too no I feel the same way and with that too uh, I think it's important to note that one I doubt my ability to be able to hang with you in the gym but two I really doubt my ability to hang with you on a Friday night at like (laughs) 10 30 at the bar um so just kind of a fun side note there um (laughs) But kind of with that too, it, it is important to have that balance. It is important to be able to go out and do things you enjoy. And whether that's, you know, downing an IPA or your fourth truly for the weekend or whatever it is, or, you know, crushing like some cupcakes, cinnamon roll, whatever your guilty pleasure is. Like I usually tell people, look, take one day a week and just let loose, mm-hmm. have at it. And mm-hmm. I tell them to know how, know how you feel during the day, know how you feel the day after and see if that feels as good as normal. And Mm -hmm. 99% of the time they say, you know, I don't feel as good the day after, but after like two or three days, I recover and I feel better, but they enjoy being able to let loose and, you know, kind of eat and uh, move less and just do what they feel like doing, take that lazy day. And I think those days are super important to kind of build in. Definitely. You can't be too restrictive. (laughs) Um, Have you kind of used similar recommendations or how do you recommend people balance the restriction with the let loose? I, um, I say the same thing with restriction. I, like I said, I think I said in the previous podcast that, you know, with my previous eating disorder, like I restricted so much and I like would literally save the weekends for like cheat days and like quote unquote cheat days whatever um and like eat so much and then feel like guilty afterwards and everything and it's like I could have just during the week had like a piece of dark chocolate a night and like curb my craving you know what I mean and like Mm -hmm. been like 
like fine with it and then not like crazy indulge on the weekend. And I would have felt so much better. So that's what I tell people. Like, if you want to enjoy like an Oreo a night, two Oreos a night, like go ahead, do that so that you're not eating like the whole pack on the weekend. Yeah, for sure. You like know? 50 calories once a day, as opposed to like a thousand all at once. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And you got it. You got to do that. Cause it's it, like, it, it's so much better for your health, your mental health, everything. Cause you'll just be in a balance for sure. Um, I will add too, I give props to anyone who can self-control themselves to eat one Oreo, I know. <laughs> one piece of dark chocolate. <laughs> I have this terrible reputation. Uh, my big thing is dark chocolate almonds. I mm -hmm. love dark chocolate almonds and I can very easily plow through an entire box if I'm not careful. And um, it, it's happened on multiple occasions <laughs> in the past week. <laughs> uh, so we're not all always perfect. We slip no, up sometimes. Uh, but, you know, ultimately you got to try and have more good days than bad days. And I like yep. to try for that 80-20 principle, like 80% of the time, be good. The other 20%, it doesn't matter. Yep. Mm -hmm. So with that too, carrying that over into like where we see healthcare going in the future, we've talked a lot about some of these trends so far uh, and uh, where we see our country going from like a health and uh, fitness standpoint and obviously that carries over into the medical side of things um, where do you kind of see the future of healthcare trending what do you see are we going the right direction do we need to do more do we need to completely reverse course what should we be doing honestly it's like a it's like all over the place um, <laughs> I mean I think I think what we're doing now in regards to I think more people are being becoming more aware of that, you know, where our healthcare is and that it's really not too great right now. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, more prevention and intervention has to be done to kind of focus on those things and education and everything that more focus on, you know, the disease and the illness that now the person has like focus on the before and preventing everything instead of the end result and the disease. Right. Um, and I think we're doing a good job though with, I know at one of the offices I was at for my work, they were doing a lot of telehealth visits. Um, and I think that's a great, great, great idea. I don't agree with the fact that it still costs the same amount. Um, and I know, and I know you, you know, that's all up in the air. Like, yes, the doctor, you're still spending time with the doctor and everything they need, you know, they get their cut and everybody gets their cut, but, um, I think it's a good thing telehealth that, you know, it taking, it takes a lot of the barriers of childcare out of the way, worrying about childcare, worrying about transportation, that some of those basic things keep somebody back from even going to the doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's increased access to care uh, yeah. through a cost-effective and efficient means, which is kind of what we need right now. Um, you know, there's tons of trends about like universal healthcare, but like we literally do not have the financial capacity to support it right now. Yeah, um, but, the perfect world. Yeah, we would. <laughs> yeah. But. So, um, but, you know, with that too, using things like telehealth to be effective and efficient. And even if it's just triage stuff, like, hey, you know, what I'm seeing tells me you need to come in and get further care. Or, yeah. you know what, honestly, this is probably just this, this is probably just that just take this, you know, stay at home a couple of days, 
it'll pass, you'll be fine. Like being able to do that will not only save patients time and money, but it will make our whole system more effective and efficient because people won't come in unless they actually need to be seen. So mm -hmm. what happens then? Less wait times, less uh, co-pays, less backup at the doctors. Uh, doctors, nurses will probably be a little more stress-free, I guess, because you don't have quite as many people there. Um, and this is all hypothetical, obviously. Nothing ever goes according to plan, but it seems like a good idea to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like how you said we need to focus more on prevention and intervention, especially mm -hmm. early on. I think early mobilization is key. And a lot of people like to hail physical therapists for that, right? You know, we are the movement experts. Well, I also think that nursing plays a huge role in that because while we might see a patient in an inpatient setting, like half an hour, maybe an hour a day, uh, you're there like eight to 12 hour shifts and mm -hmm. you're assigned like three or four patients. So if I just do the math, 12 hour shift divided by four patients is three hours per patient. So, you know, if you were doing things like getting patients up and moving them or, you know, stretching or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that can have a huge impact. They might not see it right away, but maybe later down the line. Um, and I think a lot of this too, kind of like you said, it's not just confined to in the walls of a hospital or in the walls of a doctor's office or a clinic. It's everywhere. And, you know, you're doing stuff with your own health and fitness page and your business kind of get at that, right? It's not just like what you do with your doctor, it's exercise, it's healthy habits. Like exercise is medicine. You can yeah. dose it. It's going to have positive effects similar to taking certain things. Um, so I kind of like how you take that approach and it's not just something you say, but you actively do it, uh, which makes it all the more powerful, right? Yeah. So I think that's awesome. Uh, I also... I guess I'll add to if I'm talking too much, please stop me because I have no, you're good. Gamble. Um, a while back, we had Dr. Stefan Hussey on, and I've mentioned this in a couple different kind of recorded podcasts that haven't been released yet. So um, it's kind of a common theme here. He mentioned about how sometimes access and quantity of care is not the problem, but it's the quality that's given. And he, uh, said that a lot of our research and medical guidance and medical practice is done in clinical trials. So things that are done in the lab settings, things that are very highly controlled and specific. And we try and eliminate as many other confounding variables and factors as we can. Yet in reality, the real world never works like that. So it's not an accurate representation of what's going to happen. Well, by that same token, we use electronic medical records, I can't talk right now, EMRs in pretty much all of healthcare. Everything is digital, electronic. He goes, we also have the ability to encrypt data and make things anonymous. So how come we don't have a system that uses every patient's kind of case as a case report study? And how come we aren't studying the case reports of real patients that were treated in certain manners? And instead we're, you know, spending millions and billions of dollars on these lab studies that don't even really apply the best to the real world. And it yeah. just kind of blew my mind. 
at first. <laughs> um, so I wasn't That's sure if you've heard of anything similar, or if your hospital's doing anything like that, or what your thoughts were on that. Oh, I'm really not sure, but that is insane. That's that. I mean, that's totally true. I mean, you have all these people there and then you're just doing all these other like clinical trials and everything when you have everything right there, you know? Exactly. Um, great example. So when we get patients at, uh, the clinic I'm at right now who have things like chronic low back pain, uh, the standard kind of treatment of care here has been manual lumbar traction. So pull the spine apart, stretch it, gap it. And patients responded really well to that. Well, there's a lot of research against it. So it's like, okay, research says don't do it. But if I go to clinic and I do it, people feel better and move better. So there's these discrepancies. And it's like, you know, what do I do? Do I follow the research or do I follow what I'm seeing right in front of me? That's uh, like with everything. And like, we're supposed to follow, they teach us to follow, you know, evidence-based practice and things like that. And it's like, well, then the person in front of me is saying no. And you know, this is saying yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and the same is true with exercise, right? Like, you know, a lot of the fitness studies typically use simple things to measure, leg press, leg mm-hmm. extension on a isokinetic device, things that really don't have a whole lot of carryover. Um, I can't tell you the last time I've done a leg press. I can't tell you if I've ever used an isokinetic device that changes the resistance for you to move at a constant speed. Um, those are the things we use in labs and researches, but I don't think they have the best carryover. And maybe I'm wrong, but so that's kind of my take on that. Um, and then kind of last piece too, you've been... I would consider you a expert when it comes to the health of the youth, right? Children, because you are literally a pediatric med surge nurse. You treat kids. Um, So health kind of starts, health habits start in our youth when we're young. And the stats I'm seeing in our children these days are concerning. Over one in four is obese and has a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. Um, a lot of them mm-hmm. don't meet the basic recommendation for exercising. And, um, you know, there's this, uh, I think we've talked about it before, um, this kind of obsession with things like Adderall, Xanax, video games, McDonald's, and this kind of cycle between them. Uh, so what's your take on the health of our children, our pediatric population? Uh, and what should we be doing to kind of help correct those issues moving forward? Yeah. Well, I'm going to break this up into two mental health and physical health as well, too, because I like I'm so big on it. Um, So mental health for these kids. I mean, we're seeing so many rising suicide rates, unfortunately, throughout all ages, Um, men, especially like, you know, boys, especially. Um, And like, it's a very touchy subject for me. But like, I think like we need to start letting our kids like our kids talk. I mean, just you know, being in support groups now as myself, like going to therapy and everything, you like see all these things that like, no, like my family didn't do these things to me or anything, but like, you know, you see all these things that, that kids weren't able to express their feelings and things like that. And like, I'm very glad to see that a lot of parents are 
realizing that because they're now younger, you know, are my age, things like that, that are becoming parents and they see all that. And they're like, I want my kid to express themselves how they want them to express themselves. And that's a big part of the mental health aspect, like letting your kid be who they want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, you know, physical fitness aspect and everything, we're all, it's, it's so, so sad seeing parents come in and they don't have time. They don't even have time to breathe. Like, you know, they're taking care of their kids. They're running them from, you want your kid to be involved in things and in sports and everything. And you're running from place to place. And then, you know, you don't have time to cook dinner. You're picking up McDonald's, you're doing those fast food things and everything. Um, we just, as a, I mean, I don't know how to fix that, but as a community, as a society, we need to like stop being so rushed. And like, I don't know how that will ever be fixed. But like I said, the best thing that I can say, and I don't have kids that I can, you know, say that it worked on. um, But the best thing that I can say is making it as fun and and easy as you can. Like picking out one meal a day that you're going to swap out for, you know, that you're going to cook at home this one day pick the least busiest night of the night that you have, you know, if you can and cook dinner at home that night and just have it go from there. Um, just things like that, starting out yep. slow, no, cutting back sure. slow. Yeah, for sure. I like how you point that out is it's the simple things, right? It's not like you have to go out and instantly like scrap all the, you know, meal, like whatever meal prep and meal plans you had, like, you can still keep to that, but involve your kids more, right? Yeah. Maybe have them join you in the kitchen. Maybe have them help you out and kind of get them involved in that process of, hey, this is how we cook and make and prepare food. Um, yeah. I think that's an essential skill, one. And two, um, especially for the guys, I will tell you, nothing makes a lady happier than telling her that you know how to cook and you can cook her a meal for a date. I can, so. I can, I can say yes to that. <laughs> so definitely, you know, start adding those skills. And there's a lot of other skills outside of cooking that I would consider healthy skills to have that most people don't have. And I think maybe you learning them yourself, if you're a new parent or you have kids, whatever, and being able to teach them to someone, it's not only going to benefit your son, daughter, or any kind of child that you have, uh, but it's going to benefit you as well. So doing things like uh, teaching them how to do basic woodworking and home improvement kind of projects, like Mm -hmm. the amount of people I've seen who can't fix like, you know, a basic broken pipe or a little wood chip or the doorknob comes off, and then they end up calling like a handyman, and they spend like $80, $90, get a doorknob put back on or something. Like it's those kind of skills that, you know, it's financially healthy, but it's also healthy for yourself in that you're giving yourself a sense of accomplishment and doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be just those basic skills uh, like cars and um, home stuff, but it could be like doing laundry and sewing and being able to iron something. Um, I can assure you that I don't know how to iron right now, but I really wish I did um, <laughs> because if you saw the shirt I have on, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's not looking too hot here. Um, So these basic things can really go a long way. Um, And I think that's very underutilized right now. And I also like how you said, it's kind of letting kids be who and what they want to be. You know, I don't see a problem with if a girl wants to drive a John Deere tractor, let her drive a John Deere tractor. If a guy wants to 
learn how to iron his shirt, let him learn how to iron his shirt and cook. Like those are good skills to have. And I don't think that those things are really gendered in a sense. Uh, yeah. And at the end of the day too, like everyone does things that they regret. Everyone does things that they kind of look back on and say, you know, I wish I did that, didn't do that. So if, you know, if that's like for, you know, a young guy and he looks back and he goes, you know, I wish I didn't spend so much time in those coloring books, or I wish I didn't spend so much time on this, that, the other thing, who freaking cares? Like yeah. everyone feels like that. I can yep, think of right. stuff. I'm sure you can think of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think within reason, being able to just let kids be kids is such a underutilized and underrated tool that we seem to have forgotten. And you know, we talk about this as holistic health. It's not just, you know, physical health and exercise. It's literally everything, every piece of their health. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's awesome stuff, awesome points. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Uh, mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you kind of recommend we do uh, for kids and kind of the children in the next generation? I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's kind of incorporating their parents, obviously, but I think the biggest thing is, as everybody else, I think we need to stop judging them. Like, I mean, it, I, I, when I run into parents that, you know, have no time and they, and you know, their kid is on the screen time all the time and eating junk food and whatnot, you can't judge these people because you, you have to put themselves in yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can't judge, but you have to also empower. So that's with everything you can't judge anybody, but you have to help empower. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm going to mention this because this is the best uh, reference I can come up with to kind of add to that. In uh, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus himself says, you know, don't, don't point out the speck in someone else's eye when you yourself have a wooden plank in your own. Um, it's just kind of that belief that, like, you know, before you go and point out someone else's faults, kind of give yourself that gut check, that mirror check. And you kind of mentioned it with the screen time, you know. I'm not a parent uh, that I know of anyways. Um, but if I had a kid and they spent a lot of time on the screen, then I would kind of have to assess and say, you know, are they spending a lot of screen time because I am not giving them enough attention or not enough time of day or my mind is elsewhere and not on them. Like what is causing that? You know, don't address the symptom, address the root cause of things. And that applies to, not only mental health like this, but health, fitness, medical, in all aspects, get to the root cause, cut down the tree at the roots, not, you know, limb by limb, it'll go a lot quicker. Um, so no, I think that's super important and super underutilized. So another thing that I'm really glad that you've brought up, uh, you've brought up some amazing points here. And it's kind of that blend of mental and physical health that is so important, how they interplay with one another um mm -hmm. yeah so i'm really glad you mentioned that is there anything else you want to mention quick or just take one thing at a time i'll say it again take one yeah. thing at a time do one small thing a day find your support system um do something that your body's gonna thank you later for all the motivational things that you can think of <laughs> oh for sure for sure and just <laughs> let those habits keep building on themselves yeah. One at a time. And if you've started down that road and you don't know where to turn, or if you need help getting started, 
I feel like you could probably reach out to either Diana or myself. So Definitely. if you'd like to do that, head over to Instagram. You can find Diana at Diana Marie Fit with an underscore at the end. Or obviously you can find us on Instagram at Braun Body with a W. With that, Diana, thank you so much for your time and for joining us. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe because we don't want you to miss next week's awesome episodes. Take care, everyone.